We have been doing a series all the way through the summer called Searching, The Search, and we're in some important things, and today we want to talk about searching out the Holy Spirit. If you've got a Bible with you, I'm going to read from Ephesians 5.18 in a few moments, but are you ready for a huge question? I'm going to ask you a big question, no, a, a huge question, a life-transforming question, something that if you answer it and follow, you, follow it through, it will change the direction and the way that you live your life. Wow, what a promise for the first thing on a Sunday morning. You know, I'm, make, I'm going to ramp it up. This is a huge question. There are some really interesting questions, aren't there? Like, how many cells are in the body? Like, you know, that's a question that's kind of interesting. You can bring it out at a dinner party, and you can sound good about that. You know, there are 206 bones, are there, in the skeleton? Uh, You know, is there a doctor in the house? Am I just speaking uh, strange things here? Somebody will know how many cells there are. And those type of questions are interesting, but they're not going to change your life. Uh, You know, this question will. Will you marry me? That will change your life. I, I promise you it will. But I want to ask you a question today that's so huge, the way that you answer it will change the way that you live. It's not just an interesting question. Now, before I ask you this question, I want to base it upon a command in the Bible that that some argue is actually the most important command in the Bible. Think about your favorite command, love one another, all the rest of it, the Ten Commandments or, you know, the things that you think are really important in the Bible. Some people argue that unless you obey this command, you won't be able to obey any of the others. And and I don't want to narrow things down to just one thing, but I am ramping up that it's important basis for the question that I'm about to ask you. It's not the only command in the Bible. I'm not reducing things down. Some people do that, don't they? They bring Christianity down to one thing like, oh, pray more. There's a lot more to Christianity than that. But this command, can I say that it's a, that it's a gateway to so many other commands in the Bible? And that is this. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. In fact, more accurately, the pivotal command, be filled with the Holy Spirit, it actually means keep on being filled with the Holy Spirit. Jesus himself said, receive the Holy Spirit. Paul, an apostle, somebody who led the church in the early church, said, you've got to walk by the Spirit or live by the Spirit. Jesus said, wait and be clothed with power by the Spirit. Paul again said, you're sealed by the Spirit. And he said, your body, it's a temple of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus said it so much so, he said, that I, I pray that the Holy Spirit's like a river flowing out from you, so that so much so are you filled with the Holy Spirit, that it's like a river of, of spiritual spirituality flowing from you. There is no doubt that the Bible tells us there's a spirit dimension to the way that we should live our lives. There's no question that the Bible says, as well as flesh and blood and intellect and emotions and mind, 
I want you to know there's something that's got to happen to you through this Holy Spirit. And so, be filled with the Holy Spirit becomes a really important and crucial command for our lives. So here's my big question. Are you ready? It's huge. The big question is this. Will you allow yourself to be open to a close relationship with the Holy Spirit? Now, you may look at some people who, who you think are really Holy Spirity, and you think, ah, I don't want to be like that. You know, one of the things that I did is I, I led, I was so spiritual that I led my maths teacher to the Lord. It was the only way I could think I could pass the exam. <laughs> I led her to the Lord, but you know, her first question was that when, when she, she, she bowed her head, prayed the prayer to Jesus, lifted her head, and said to the person who prayed with her, but I don't have to be like Mark, do I? And you see, when I say this question to you, so many of you have got this, this idea in your mind of somebody who you know who was a spirit person. And you don't want to be like them. But that's not my question. I'm not asking you, will you be like that person who's filled with the Holy Spirit? The question that I'm asking you is, will you build a close relationship with the Holy Spirit for you. The way that the Bible says and the way that God wants it for you. Will you do that? Will you have the gumption and the openness to say, yeah, I, I will do that, Lord. Will you let it be how God wants it to be and not just how you want it to be? Before you can answer this fully, let me ask you another question. I've got a morning full of questions. Is that okay, church? Let me ask you another question. And I'll try and give you a reason why this spirit question is so important. And so that you can begin to answer a resounding yes. It's a little question. But how do you think life and the universe really works? I mean, really. How do you think things really work? Now, some of you in the, in the house today, you might think that the nuts and bolts of life is about biology and cells and, and instincts, and, and, and there's some, something to that. But, you know, if you only see life as working in a, in a way of biology and cells meeting with cells and, and the input from that or only science, that doesn't answer everything. And it leaves, leaves so much unanswered. It, I mean, it answers some things. In fact, I think there are some brilliant ways that you can see God in creation and in science. And actually, I'm not leaving God out of that. But can I, can I say to you, as well as all that evidence for God in science, can you walk on another side of life for me? And, and let's just observe some important things about humans. And, and see how life works. Have you noticed that humans yearn for freedom? You do it at work. You, you sometimes think, oh, I wish I could do something else. And, and you're yearning for freedom. And, and, and actually, you push a human down. And, and, and actually, even when they're downtrodden, you can still see something in their eyes that says it shouldn't be this way. And some of you have 
justice issues in your heart. And I want to ask you, where does that come from? This picture that you see on the, on the screen here, this is a picture of a, a young girl in Russia last week. And last week, uh, the authorities denied free and fair elections. So she sat in front of the soldiers reading the Russian constitution out loud to say, we are allowed to have free and fair elections. What drives people to do such dangerous acts? What is it about you and humans that have this quest for justice and freedom? There's something in our spirit about it. And she got arrested, by the way, the very next day. We continually wrestle for worship, imagination, and inspiration. Let me show you another picture. I don't know whether you're the adult miserable faces, but I just want to be the child, don't you? Who's free and saying, God, I need you. You see, there's something about us that has imagination. There's something about us that thinks beyond the now, that thinks beyond just what there is. Where did that come from? And, you know, all over the world, people worship. They may not worship Jesus. In fact, in the Western world, they may worship something with four wheels. They may worship a career, but there is a worship going on. Where does that come from? And when you think about humans, our relationships are, are, uh, are really compl- complicated. And we, we look for love even on an island. Now, I just want you to know that I don't watch it. Okay, it's just for illustration purposes. Relationships, they're so complex, aren't they? And what I would say to you today is, is that wherever we look and wherever we come from, we have to admit there's a higher and a spiritual side to life. And you have to stop dismissing that. You have to stop seeing your life just in terms of where I go to work and how I'm trying to achieve things. But God, is there something higher? And actually, the Bible says that God has actually put this in your heart. In Ecclesiastes 3.11, it says, He also has set eternity in the human heart. And no man can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. There's a yearning in our heart. And as well as all the evidence that I could bring you from science and so on, I would say you're the evidence that there's a spiritual side to life because of that yearning in your heart for something higher. Whether that be in a relationship, whether that's justice or freedom, whether that's giving yourself in worship. But while I'm asking you all these questions and working you hard as far as listeners today, what about you? How about you? How do you work? What's going on inside of you? Are you just a product of your past? Or the people around you? Or the plans that you have? And of course, they're important. And to some degree, you are that. But you know, the Bible says that you fall into one of three categories as a human. You fall into either what the Bible says, if you put the slide on there, is you fall into the first circle as a natural person. Now, a natural person is somebody who says, I don't know whether there's a God and I've not really encountered him. And they've drawn a circle that says there isn't a God. 
actually, that person is just switched off to the spiritual side of life. In a book called Corinthians, Paul wrote to this uh, church in Corinth. He said, the person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, and he considers them even foolishness. He can't understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. See, the God circles over here where, where God is and He's doing all His thing, and you, you're perhaps over here. It's not that there isn't a God, it's just that you're standing outside of the circle. And actually, God begins to call over to you. And even God is everywhere. And he reaches into your circle and says, why why don't you take a step over towards relationship with me? You see, it doesn't mean that there isn't a God. It's just that you haven't met him yet. The second circle is a self-orientated person. They're they're self-focused. Yeah, they're a Christian. They've come to God. But they kind of do... Mostly, what drives them is mostly what they feel is best for them. They, they are driven by what they want, what they're attracted to. Again, to the Corinthian believers, Paul said this, Brothers and sisters, I can't address you as, as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still, and he uses this phrase, worldly. Or, or people who are motivated by what they see they need And that's defined by the world. They're mere infants in Christ. In fact, you can tell this person because every time God asks them to do something or or something in church comes along, there's a struggle. They have to negotiate. They have to work it out. And it's, it's it's always a challenge because there's something not settled in their heart. And the Bible says then there's a spiritual person. And this person has built a relationship with the Holy Spirit. In fact, the spirit person makes judgments about all things. They've come under the rule and the direction of the Holy Spirit. Now, I guess I, I kind of flip between circles two and three. I've got to say that sometimes it's like that for all of us. But let me ask you, where does your relationship with the Holy Spirit for today. Would you say, well, I'm a natural person, and it's not that you don't believe in God, you just haven't come into His circle yet. He's calling you in and saying, hey, it's beautiful in here. In fact, He comes out of His circle, doesn't really have a circle, God. And He comes to you. And He wants you to come to Him. Or are you that self-focused person where everything's a struggle in Christianity? Everything's a negotiation. Everything's a kind of, God, if I could do this, it's just a big problem. Or are you a spirit person that's saying, Holy Spirit, lead me, guide me. While I'm asking questions, and you don't mind me asking you just one or two more questions. Is that okay today, church? Well, I'm asking you a question, and this is kind of the questions to the Christians in the house. It's another big question. And it, and it really opens the door to this huge question of, will I build a relationship with the Holy Spirit? Christians, so how do you think the kingdom of God works? How do you think 
this whole church Christianity thing works? How do you think we actually get a bit of progress or we become deeper in it? You see, some Christians think, you know what, being a Christian's good and I, I just do it by a habit. I've got some good habits and so on. And, and they, then they, they kind of get to a level and it just seems that they're the same for years. Because they've not understood this. Paul said it to a group of Christians called the Galatians. He said, are you so foolish? After by beginning by the means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by trusting yourself? You see, the answer to my question is, the Holy Spirit is what we live by, and that's how the progress happens as a Christian. That's how the kingdom happens. And what we've done is we've branded churches, oh, they're more uh, excited in their worship, so they're the Holy Spirit people. We're more the Word people. But actually, the Bible never makes that distinction and says, how do you think all this works? This works... By the Holy Spirit working in us and through us as he blesses his word. For a Christian, even though, yes, we use our mind, we use all of our intellect, we're we're engaged with our emotions and, and we have good habits and all the rest to follow God. But there's a basic part of Christianity, I'd say a fundamental part, a foundational part, that is only done through a relationship with the Holy Spirit, whatever Christian brand you are, it can only be done through the Spirit. Jesus was was a real Spirit person. So can I remind you all today about this very important command, and it might be the most important command that makes everything else work, be filled with the Spirit. Not choose a church brand, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen, church. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's a command. And that's on the basis of that I can ask you this life-altering question... Will you allow yourself a close relationship with the Holy Spirit? It's how life works. It's how your soul works. Do you remember that song, Lou Reed, in the 1970s? Was it 70s or whatever? Take a walk on the wild side. Do, 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 do. Don't join in with me. Many of you don't know it. In fact, don't join in with me because it's like dad singing, okay? I'd say take a walk on the spirit side. Take a walk on the spirit side. Because that's how life works. That's how life is. Now, some of you don't want to do this because you're afraid. Uh, Because you're afraid it's going to make you weird. You've got in your mind someone or something or some hurt from your background whereby you say, if I do this, and despite all the rational arguments that Pastor Mark's putting up and biblical arguments, I just don't want to be one of those weird people. Have you met those spirit people? You know, they have to pray about which cornflake to eat next. You know, or which tie to wear. 
Or, you know, they have to pray about whether they wear blue trousers or black trousers. And I'm thinking, make your mind up. Just put your trousers on. That's all we ask. And you don't want to be like that. And I get that. But that's not my question. You see, let me put it this way. That the Holy Spirit produces the fruit of the Spirit in you. And the fruit of the Spirit perfectly exhibits the personality of Jesus. And Jesus was, when he went into his temptation, he was driven by the Spirit into the wilderness. And it says when he came out of the wilderness, he was led of the Holy Spirit. When he was baptized, the Holy Spirit descended upon him. He said that he had joy in the Holy Spirit. He taught that if you don't know what to say, that actually the Holy Spirit will give you the words to say. He taught about there's a comforter coming. coming, And he actually said another comforter. And actually what he meant was he said the other comforter is just like me. He's got my personality. So here's the deal. When you get close to the Holy Spirit, guess who he makes you like? Jesus. And Jesus was the most loving, balanced, non-weird person in the world. So actually, are you saying that Jesus is weird? And I think what we need to do is just put to bed some of the weird things that have happened and say, Holy Spirit, would you please build a relationship with me? Me? Would you please build a relationship with him? Because that's how it works. I call this the spirit continuum. Because I want to just describe to you what that relationship exists of. And it's like four circles that I want to show you. The Holy Spirit wants to build a relationship with you by indwelling you or coming to live inside of you. I call this a continuum because even though it may work left to right, they all kind of overlap and some actually happen before others. And and you can walk with the Spirit even by only having the indwelling of the Spirit. So it's not just kind of one, two, three, four. But let me just break it up for you. First of all, the Holy Spirit wants to build a relationship with you By saying, let me indwell you. In other words, let me come and live inside of you. Again, writing to the Corinthians, Paul put it this way. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you've received from God? You know, this this Birmingham is called a city of faiths. But Christianity is the only faith that says God himself comes not just to be with you or direct you or pull strings like a puppet master. He doesn't do that. He says, let me live in you. That's all different. There's no other faith that says that in this city. Let me dwell in you. Amen, church. And you know, when he's dwelt in you, he then seals your life. And, and this is the thing you've got to catch. It's like a seal of ownership. Again, to the Corinthians, Paul says his seal of ownership is on us. He puts his spirit in, his, in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. This means that the Holy Spirit not only wants to be in close relationship you, with you, he's not a distant God, but it also means the seal of ownership is... This is the final transaction. You belong to me now. Now, culturally, you don't like it when you say you're owned by someone. And and of course, 
We, we stand against anybody who tries to own other people and slavery and all of that. But actually, this is a beautiful ownership. This is where the Holy Spirit says, I will protect you. You're mine now. You're in my circle. I, I take it on me to make sure that everything about your life is directed and protected. And therefore, anybody who has a claim on you, they don't have that claim on you anymore. Because now you're mine, says the Lord. So when Satan says, ah, oh, yeah, but you've got this, the Holy Spirit says, shh, shh, stop. Stop speaking. They are mine now, says the Lord. See, this is not just a, a slave kind of possession. This is a beautiful possession. You know what? In the last few months, I've been able to pay off my house mortgage. I've been able to you know, finish all my payments, so I own my house now. I've been able to pay every last cent, and that house is mine. So I've got the right now to apply for my title deed. So that tells me that bank doesn't ever own your house ever again, Mark. You own it. You know, that's like the Holy Spirit in your life. You've had people who have claimed ownership on you. And you've had uh, Satan who's claimed ownership on you. The Holy Spirit now is saying, I've got the title deed to your life. That now never applies to you ever again. I've sealed your life, your mind. Man, you don't sound very impressed by that. God himself says, don't touch this. This is mine. This is my MC Hammer moment, by the way. You can't touch this. Do, 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 do. Can't touch this. You know, I wish somebody would write Christian lyrics to that song so we could sing it as a hymn. You can't touch this. You can't touch this. It's mine. You see, that's what... The Holy Spirit wants to do. He wants to so indwell you and seal you that now your life is protected and purposed in Him. The second part of the relationship is a kind of surrender part. The Bible says, offer yourselves to God as those who've been brought from death to life. Offer yourselves to Him as instruments of righteousness. This is where it's kind of a crossover point where you stop fighting with God, where you stop, start saying, you know what, I will trust you. And you do this more continually. You know, Jesus said, my food, the thing that I'm sustained by, is to do the will of the one who sent me. This comes when you, you just remove the blockages that you know are in your life holding God back. How many of you watching the news this week with that big dam in Whaley Bridge, you know, that was damaged in the flood? And let me ask you a question. If that dam would have broken, would the water have just sat there and gone, hmm, should I flow out? Or should I hold myself back? You know, I see lots of Christians, and they're on their knees saying, Oh, fill me with the Holy Spirit, Lord, fill me with the Holy Spirit. And they know that they've got something in their life that's a big blockage. And it's like praying with a dam in your life, holding the Holy Spirit back. And what the Holy Spirit wants to do is to reveal those blockages and reveal that. And when you remove that, the Holy Spirit will just flow in. He'll just come and 
and wash away the things you've been worried about and the things that you're hung up about. You see, that's the surrender part. It's the, the thing where you say, you know what, I trust you now, God. It's like when you first meet a, somebody in a relationship and you're not sure about them and then you trust them and trust them and then you begin to say, you know what, I can give my life to you. That's what the Holy Spirit wants to do with you today. He wants you to take away the dam. And he'll just come. Jesus said, he won't hold the Holy Spirit back if you ask him. The only reason why you haven't had it is because you've got a big blockage on. Take the dam down. The third thing is that the, with the relationship with the Holy Spirit is he wants to fill you so much that he fills you and empowers you with power. This is like a, a divine enabling so that you can do things that you couldn't have done before. That you can have confidence. It leads to a breakthrough in serving him. The, the disciples needed this. They'd done lots of things with Jesus, but he said, wait in Jerusalem, I want you to be clothed with power from on high because then you'll be able to be my witnesses beyond Israel and even to the ends of the world. You'll be able to do things that you've never done before. And often this divine enabling comes and it gives you a breakthrough in the way that you speak. Some people speak in tongues and, and some people prophesy, but mostly people are bold to be witnesses. And it affects your life so that you begin to go up a level in the way that you can serve. Some things that you thought you could not do, once you ask for God's power, you'll be able to do them. Some people who you thought you couldn't speak to, once you ask for God's power, you'll be able to do them. You see, some of us, we are very faithful people. We are serving and serving and serving, and we've come to a level in our serving. And yet, there's a higher level. We need an infilling of power in order to break through to that higher level of serving. Some of us are serving and then we ask for power. I want to say to you, let's ask for some power and your level of serving will go up. Don't get it the wrong way around. Now, that's not to say don't do anything until you have a big emotional experience because the filling of the Holy Spirit may not be an emotional thing, but it will be something where boldness comes into your life, where prophetic speech comes into your life, the ability to talk for Jesus. And some of you are so, you're scared of this, but don't be scared of it because remember, this is what Jesus was like. He said, my words are spirit and life. Who wants to be like Jesus? Okay, me. Who wants to be like Jesus? I know it's your only listening. Let's ask God to fill us so we can go up a level in serving. Can I hear an amen, church? And breakthrough and kingdom advance. And the last thing in the continuum is... It's this walking with the Spirit. This, the Bible even says living by the Spirit. So I say, Paul said, walk by the Spirit. And you won't gratify the desires of yourself. And we all struggle with this. And this is a relationship he wants to be with you. In order to build this walking with God, you've, you've got to feed the right things. And you've got to starve the things that are not good for you. There are some attractions that you have that are not helping you and God. And the Holy Spirit's knocking on your door saying, starve that. You know what? I love crisps. But crisps don't love me. I could eat crisps all day. But if I ate crisps all day, 
I would undo lots of the good work that I've done. How many of you love crisps? Do you love crisps? Yeah, it's good to confess in church, isn't it? (laughs) But some things you just have to say, enough is enough. After 10 bags, just give them up. (laughs) Enough. You've got to starve some things if you're going to walk with the Spirit. And you've got to feed some other things. You've got to get some good input, some, some good things. You see, this walking with the Spirit is this starve-feed process all the time. And it's also being open enough so that the Holy Spirit can interrupt your day. That, that you can be sensitive to what He's saying. That you can, you know, you might be an outward-going person like me. And you might, you might, you know, the Holy Spirit may hold you back and say, Hey, don't be the life and soul of the party. Let other people be. You know, it might be that the Holy Spirit just holds you back from your natural personality. That's walking with the Spirit. It might be that the Holy Spirit interrupts your day so that you talk to somebody. But you see, walking with the Spirit is having this openness. But all the time, it's going to be this. How can I be like Christ in this situation today? That's walking in the Spirit. How can I show to these people who I'm with now, Jesus? It's a little prayer as you walk into the room or you walk into your workplace and say, Lord, how, let me just be like Jesus to these people today. That's walking in the Spirit. And as Jesus gives you opportunities to show Him, you'll be walking in the Spirit. I wonder which circle you need. I wonder if you're a sort of person today that you have been listening to old stories about you and you don't realize that actually you're God's temple now and he's paid that finished work for you that on the cross Jesus said it's finished and the Holy Spirit came along and said you've accepted it it's finished those lies don't apply to you anymore receive the Holy Spirit or are you the sort of person that needs to say you know what I know I've got a blockage I am so afraid and all the time Jesus is saying I love you. I won't make you weird. I'm going to make you how you need to be. Let the blockage go. Drop it. Let me flow. Come. Are you the sort of person that you've come to a level of serving? You're you know, you, you might have even experienced speaking in tongues in 1947 and you, you wear it as a badge of honor. But now you just need more. Fill me again, Lord. Because that's what that scripture means. Be filled with the Holy Spirit continuously. And you need to go up a level. You know, you, you've been at the same level as a Christian for years. And you need a work of the Holy Spirit to say, not just to empower for service, but power against sin. And you need a fresh infilling. Or I wonder if you're the sort of person where you need to learn that sensitivity. On this side of the building, as you go to the other side of the car park, there's a canal. And in the canal, it's a waterway. And in there, you'll see it's sectioned off. And that section is called a lock. And when the boat comes in or the barge comes in, there's water there already. 
And there's a level. But if that boat is going to go any further, it's got to be filled so that it can progress to the next level. In your central heating system at home, there's a little flame that's on all the time. And when your heating kicks in, the flame gets bigger so that heat and light and warmth can go all around your house. I just wonder today if there's a room in your temple that you have shut and said, that's mine, Jesus. You see, you need to open that door and say, you can go into that room, Lord, and you can heal the pain there. You can heal the memories there. You can, you can sort out the issue. You can take away that weird person and put it out, Lord, and you can flood into that room because I'm allowing you into every part of my life. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. I wonder if your life was a house, whether the Holy Spirit's in the hallway, is in the living room, but you've never let him in the kitchen. You've never let him upstairs. Fill me with the Holy Spirit, says you can go everywhere, Lord. See, fill me with your power, says I'm coming into the lock because I want to go up a section and I'm allowing you to shut me in behind so there's no escape and I'm saying I'm not moving till you fill me and then when you fill me, the doors will open and I can progress. Fill me with the Holy Spirit, Lord. Let me show you just a few pictures. As Kevin comes with the worship team, it's going to take you to be thirsty. It's going to take you to say, God, I really want this for me. It's going to take you to say, Lord, I've been, I've been drinking other things, but I want you. It's going to say to you, you've got to be a bit open. Maybe you could stand with me just for a few moments. And, and you know, many of us, you've been, you've been sitting, but I wonder if you could just assume an open posture with me right now. Why don't you hold your hands out just as a symbol for your heart that it's going to take some openness. You see, I, I need to say to you, Jesus didn't come to make you a decent person and there is a spirit side to life that is sometimes unnerving and it is sometimes unusual but it's not going to make you consistently weird so that you can't serve and be, have a good contribution to our city and to your life. So you've got to be a bit open. Maybe you could just hold your arms out just a little bit like this. Just with me right now. Just as a little symbol of saying, oh God, I'm a bit afraid. I want to speak against that fear. Don't be afraid. It's Jesus who will help. And you see, the third thing is that if you'll be open, and then you've just got to ask. Ask, receive as a pattern in the Bible. Ask, receive. Ask, receive. In fact, the Bible says, you have not because you ask not. You've got to ask and be willing to step into something and, and be receptive. Be open. I'm going to ask you to say something out loud in a moment. I'm going to ask you to turn your voice box on. And, and you're going to speak in your own language. I'm going to ask you to say this word. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. But I'm going to ask you to say it so you can hear yourself saying it, even if it's only a whisper. You're not going to be, say it like anybody else. You see, because I want you to be receptive. Because the Holy Spirit wants to fill you 
and take you to the next level. Lastly, you know, you're going to have to have a little bit of obedience. Because when he fills you, he may open up a way whereby it's a little different way. And, and you move from being that self-orientated person who wants things on their own terms and church is about you feeling better, but actually it becomes, God, this is what I want to give my life to. Please lead me. Now we're going to sing a song in a moment and, it, and, and it's great to sing together. But I wonder if you yourself now could just pray this prayer with me. Are you ready? After three, one, two. Three, I'm going to ask you to say, be, fill me with your Holy Spirit. You ready? One, two, three. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Oh, wow. Was that hard? It's just a little bit of openness. That's all it takes. That's all it takes. A little bit of openness. Are you ready again? After three. One, two, three. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Maybe you just hold your hands out with me and just say, just say it for yourself, just one or two times now. Just, Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit. See, nothing weird's going on. We're just asking God to fill you with the Holy Spirit. It's really gentle, isn't it? Fill us with your Holy Spirit. Why don't we just say that together? Fill us, Lord. Fill us, Lord. Just fill us with your Holy Spirit. Fill us, Lord. Why don't you just turn your voice box on just a little bit and just say it over and over again. Just sort of fill me with your Holy Spirit, Lord. I'm not going to do anything else. Nobody's going to force you to do anything. Holy Spirit, just come. Fill this place with your Holy Spirit. Fill my life with your Holy Spirit. Just whisper it. You don't have to shout. You don't have to make any make a deal of yourself. Just whisper it. Holy Spirit, just fill me. Holy Spirit, just come on this place right now. The price is paid. The debt is over. Jesus has your life. Now he wants you to have a relationship with his Holy Spirit. Isn't that lovely? Isn't it great we've got a God who isn't shouting at us from heaven, that he's actually saying, I want to be in relationship with you. Isn't that great? Should we give him praise for that? Isn't that just wonderful? What a wonderful thing. What a great thing. In fact, Jesus said, I'm not going to leave you like an orphan. You know, there are lots of people that feel just rejected and lonely in the world. But Jesus said, I will never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Come, have my Holy Spirit. Why don't you just, if you can and if you want to, there's no forcing in this. Just why don't you lift your hand with me and say, Holy Spirit, fill my life. Fill my life, Lord. Some of you have served God for a long time and you know that you're at the same level and you need to ask God, fill me again, Lord. Fill me again, Lord. Come on, say it with me. Fill me again, Lord. I need you, God. Fill me again, Lord. Fill me, Lord. 
Hey, if you're here for the first time and you may know, you may be just checking us out as a church, you know, God loves you. But we've all done some things wrong. But Jesus paid the price for everything we've done wrong. So he asks you a question. Will you open the door and let me in? And the Holy Spirit will come into your life. And he'll forgive you and release you. Come on, let's sing this song together, shall we? In a few moments, I'm going to ask you to respond. Holy Spirit. Here I am. Come on, everybody. Here I am. Here I stand, Lord.